You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 77. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be interviewing Robert Tagoni, who is the critically acclaimed New York Times, number one Wall Street Journal, and number one Amazon bestselling author of the uh, Tracy Crosswhite series, the David Sloan series. He's also uh, published several standalone novels, uh, including The Seventh Canon, which was the 2017 finalist for the Mystery Writers of America Edgar Award for Best Novel. Uh, His books are sold worldwide in more than 25 countries and have been translated into more than two dozen languages, including French, German, Italian, and Spanish. He sold millions of copies of his books. And his latest novel, The Eighth Sister, is launching today. So if you listen to this podcast, uh, on Tuesday, April 9th, uh, the book is now available. You can go buy it at thrillingreads.com forward slash sister. I received an advanced copy, so I already read it, and it's a great thriller uh, featuring a former CIA case officer, Charles Jenkins, uh, who is in his 60s. He's broke, he's at a crossroads, and he's uh, sent to Moscow on a risky new assignment. Uh, it's a pulse-pounding espionage thriller with all the good stuff that I like, action, spy games, treachery, and, and of course, great characters. Uh, highly recommend you go check it out at thrillingreads.com forward slash sister. And uh, that is my Amazon affiliate link. So if you do buy Robert's book from my link, I will receive a small commission from Amazon. So it's a great way to support this podcast. So I would appreciate it. All right. Uh, let's get on to my interview with uh, Robert Tagoni. Hey, everybody. Alan Peterson here with Meet the Thriller Author. And for uh, this uh, episode, I have Robert Dugani on Skype. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me on. Before we get uh, start chatting about your novels, can you tell us a little bit about your background and the road you took to get where you are now? Well, how much time do you have? <laughs> yeah, kind of a loaded question, right? <laughs> yeah, no. I, well, you know, the short of the short of a long story is I always I always wrote. Uh, you know, from the seventh grade on, um, that's what I wanted to do. I I, I was a big reader. And, uh, and I always wrote, um, had a mother that was uh, once a uh, English teacher and had a lot of books around the house, like The Count of Monte Cristo and The Old Man in the Sea and Of Mice and Men. And, you know, I had read all those books before I even got to high school. And, you know, when I got to high school, I, you know, one thing kind of led to another. And I was I was the editor of the, the newspaper there, which got me uh, an intro to a woman that helped me get into Stanford University. And. And I worked for the newspaper there for a while. When I graduated, the, uh, the communications department recommended me to work for the LA Times. I took, took that job. And then in a moment of uh, insanity, maybe, I decided to go to law school, in, in part because I, you know, I had a lot of brothers and sisters that were professionals and, and uh, doctors and stuff. And so you know, I just thought, you know, better to go to law school while you're young. I don't have to practice law, but better to have it done rather than trying to do it later in life if I'm married and have kids, et cetera. So I went to law school. I got out. I got on that that track, you know, paying off my student loans and all those things. And finally, 13 years later, I, I woke up one morning. Uh, my wife and I had a son, uh, 18 months, and I told her I I just didn't want to do it anymore. I, I wanted to do what I always wanted to do was to write books. And uh, she said, good, then we will. And we her only caveat was she wanted to live close to her family so she could have help with the kids. Um, my mom has ten kids of her own, so she, she, I knew she wasn't going to be a lot of help. And so we moved here to up to Seattle, and uh, I started writing books and failing miserably. Had forty two rejections on 
on my first book, The Jury Master, and, and really thought that I had made a huge mistake, uh, was looking into actually practicing law and taking the Washington bar exam. Ended up meeting a guy at a party who told me he was a former EPA agent, and he thought he had a great story for me. And that introduction led to he and I riding the Cyanide Canary together. And that led to an agent in New York City. And that led to whatever what else have I been writing. And I had been writing, uh, I had three books at that time. You know, one thing kind of led to the other. And over the course of the last, oh, probably 15 years, um, I had a lot of ups. I had a lot of downs. I had, and you know, I had a, uh, a publisher fold on me. I, I had a publisher indicate to me they didn't want to publish any more of my novels. Uh, you know, I just had, I, there was a lot of downs. There was, you know, but I, I just, I just kept pushing. I just kept writing. I just kept, kept trying to get better. I just kept learning uh, the craft. 2013, I had, uh, I was at sort of the lowest of the lows. You know, I'd just been cut loose by a publisher. And uh, that inspired me to write the, tra the first Tracy Crosswhite book, My Sister's Grave. And I signed a deal with um, Amazon Publishing, Thomas and Mercer. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's remarkable how when you think things are going poorly for you, it, it ends up being the best thing you ever did. Because signing with Amazon was the best thing I ever did. Uh, Thomas and Mercer, more than just that one book, they loved my writing. And they felt that they could break me out as an author. Boy, have they have they lived up to that uh, that promise. They um, they have just been remarkable in um, in getting my name out there and getting my books all around the world in building me a readership. And that readership has led to more readers. And you know, here I sit now. You know, five years later, uh, six years later, just just couldn't be couldn't be happier with my career. Yeah, that's amazing. You, so you were so close to kind of going back to law and giving up on the uh, on the writing business, and just how everything turns around is just amazing. Because yeah, you know, the books all are bestsellers now, and not only Amazon, you know, New York Times and Wall Street Journal. It's just incredible. I, you know, I don't think it's unusual, Alan. In some respects, um, I think there are a lot of incredibly talented people out there, much more talented than I am, who write beautifully and just need that break. Just need someone to believe in them and, and to believe in in their in their ability and in their writing. You know, I, I know so many people that that are not in the position I'm in, and I and I respect their writing so much. You know, I read their work, and uh, it, it's it's really humbling, uh, to be honest, to be in the position I'm in because, you know, I just recognize that a lot of it is just opportunity and being in the right place at the right time, and I just feel very blessed and very fortunate. You know, my wife and I have have been speaking more now that we're empty nesters about trying to give back and what we can do as a, as a family, because I think, I think that's the most important thing is, is remembering where you were and how you got to where you were and remembering that a lot of it was quite honestly, was, was just being in the right place at the right time. Were you a fan of thrillers and suspense books before you began to write them? Is that why you decided to try to write thrillers and, and these type of books? Not really. You know, there were some books that I read, like Presumed Innocent. I read that in my first year in law school. And I remember thinking, okay, well, he, he, he wrote the Harvard 1L. Scott Turow wrote the Harvard 1L when he was in law school. And I thought, okay, well, you know, this is a, this is a new genre, the legal thriller, and, and I can be right on the cusp of it. 
And uh, but before that, you know, I was much more a reader of literary novels. I loved Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry. I'm a huge fan of John Irving, uh, A Prayer for Owen Meany, The World According to Garp. Um, I love Patrick Conroy. I've read every one of his books that that uh, God rest his soul that he that he published. Um, I just was a big fan of their stuff, and I and I loved their writing. You know, the the legal thriller was really a the the path that I. I thought anyway would be the path of least resistance. You know, I was a lawyer. I felt that I could write and those those books were taken off at that time and there was a market. So that's that's sort of how I na- I sort of navigated to that genre. And that was the David Sloan series? Yes. Yeah, and how many books did, did you publish in that series? So there were 5 and now I'm in the process of spinning off a character from that series, Charles Jenkins who's an ex-CIA agent living on Camino Island. He was a hermit up until the jury master. Almost 40 years after he left the CIA, very unhappy, his former case officer shows up on his farm, and he has a, he has a job for Jenkins in Russia. And Jenkins, of course, is reluctant to take it, but because of various circumstances, he finds himself in Russia and uh, is running for his life. You know, my my agent, my editor were very open about my doing a different different series, you know, continuing to do the Tracy Crosswhite series, but starting another series. And they read that book and they were like, wow, when's the sequel? So uh, I'm really excited about about that coming back. Uh, there's been a lot of people who asked me, when are you going to bring back David Sloan? And, and Sloan is in that book. So um, he's he's less of a main character, more sort of a tangential character. Uh, but I'm excited about about the opportunity to uh, to bring Charles Jenkins back to life. Oh, I didn't realize that, that Charles Jenkins was uh, was in your first series. Uh, was in that their Sloan series. Yeah, yeah, he he, oh. he he is. You know, sort of the 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 funny thing is Charles Jenkins is based upon my law school roommate. So if I had never gone to law school, I never would have met the real Charles Jenkins, who's you know six foot five and two hundred and thirty pounds of sculpted muscle. And uh, I used to joke with with. Chaz, uh, he's one of my best friends. I used to joke with him in law school. I used to say to him, you know, someday I'm going to put you in a book and make you larger than life. And he'd just laugh at me <laughs> and say, yeah, okay, sure. And <laughs> now he is. Yeah, and that was uh, something that I was, I, I read the advanced copy of uh, A Sister from uh, NetGalley, um, which and it was awesome, by the way, so for the listeners. Um, but uh, it was it was really cool, too, that you, like, Charles Jenkins is in his early 60s. I mean, it's very kind of different. Um, from that type of jo- the espionage genre, was there any? Uh, did you, was that something that you, you were concerned about, or you got pushed back from your agent, or were you like, no, this is what I'm going with? I didn't get. I didn't, the only time I got a little pushback was from um, my agent with regard to Hollywood. In, in as far as uh, as far as my New York agent and my and my publishers. Um, there was no there was no pushback because all you have to do is go down to any gym where you work out and and see some of the people in there who are 60 years old now mm-hmm. 60 is just not that old anymore um, yeah. especially if the person has taken good care of their body which Jenkins has and he's in good shape uh, and all that I mean you know there's the there's the I can attest to the, the the usual aches and pains but it's it's that's not that's not the difficult part but talked with Hollywood, you know, that was a concern. You know, I I thought, uh, and this isn't the reason I wrote it, you know, I thought having an African-American 
in the lead role would would really be a a, a, po- a positive because you know it was just a couple of years ago that that um, Hollywood was really being skewered because there were there were not enough roles for people of, of color. So you know I I thought that this would be great, but they, there was some some worry about you know could we make him younger and and uh, then you'd have a lot more potential actors for for that part. We'll just have to wait and see. I I never really worry about that too much, Alan. I mean. I, I'm a writer. That's what I am. And uh, I write novels. That's what I do. I don't write screenplays. I have no interest in writing screenplays. Um, if my books make it into a film or television series, that's great. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> you know, hopefully they, <laughs> they do it right. That, that's, that's, that's not what I am. What I am is, I, is I'm a writer. I love to tell stories. I love to, I love to write books, work every day, just about gotten out Boy, I, I can't even re- tell you. Maybe maybe twelve books in the last five years. It's what I do, uh, you know, and and I love doing it. And can you tell the readers a little bit if they're not familiar uh, with the uh, Tracy Crosswhite series? Um, I, I love those books, by the way. That's uh, how I first uh, how you first came on my radar was with the Tracy Crosswhite series. When I was uh, when I was let go by my publisher, my agent said you need to come up with a new character and. And in uh, in one of my David Sloan books, uh, Murder One, I had two homicide detectives. One was Tracy Crosswhite, and one was her partner, Kensington Rowe. And uh, I was fully intending to spin off a series with Kensington Rowe. And my agent is the one who said to me, "What about you know Tracy Crosswhite? What's her background? You know, you, she's a former chemistry teacher. So, you know, what's her background? Where does she come from?" And and I have to give my agent a lot of credit because at that time, um, you know, five six years ago. You know, there weren't a lot of, of female leads that were outside of sort of the romance category. And, and I, I, you know, I don't I don't want to say that without, you know, I haven't done a lot of research into it. But that was sort of the impression, you know, my my agent had, who is a woman. And um, she thought it would be really interesting to, to have a, a female homicide detective as opposed to sort of the stereotypical male, you know, former alcoholic trying to recover, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. And so, you know, Tracy is Seattle's first female homicide detective. She is, uh, and and with that comes all the trials and tribulations that, you know, women have to endure in the workplace that men don't have to endure. So she's dealing with all those, uh, all those professional obstacles and professional issues. And at the same time, she's dealing with a, uh, a horrible personal issue, which is uh, 20 years earlier, she had uh, left her sister at a shooting competition. Uh, she left with her boyfriend who was going to propose to her that night. And her sister was going to drive back to their hometown of Cedar Grove, a fictional town in the North Cascades. And the, the sister never made it home. And they never found her body. And they convicted a man of murder without ever finding her body. And now 20 years later, Tracy has some evidence which she believes exonerates the man. And so she goes back to Cedar Grove to try to get the man a new trial so that she can find out who really did kill her sister and why. Um, and so that's that's sort of the beginning. That's the premise. And from that, I've written now seven additional novels because people really fell in love with, with Tracy Crosswhite. They fell in love with her as a as a character and not just as a homicide detective. They just like her as a person. And a lot of that, I think, comes from the fact that I grew up in a family with four sisters, uh, two older, uh, three older, and one younger. And uh, and I've had an opportunity to sort of, you know, view what it's like 
for for women um, to you know to to go out and 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 you know try to work and be in the workplace and and have to deal with some of the things they deal with and a lot of the time when uh, when Tracy's a young girl in the flashbacks you know those those a lot of those things are things I remember from from uh, my sister's childhoods you know so it's just it's turned out to be a a, a really a really good series for me. And are you going to continue uh, writing that series? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I am in the process. Uh, in fact, two computer screens, and on my other computer screen is the is the developmental edits that I'm working on with my developmental editor for Tracy number eight. And um, you know what I really love is that Tracy is is growing as a person. It's I don't write the Jack Reacher James Bond books where it's every time there's a new book, he's right back to the original position he started in. You know, he's single, he's you know out combing the the countryside and he something happens and he finds himself in the middle of it uh and there's usually a, a woman involved and yada yada in mine you know tracy grows throughout the series she meets a man falls in love with that man and and all the things that come from that develop and this is you know it's it's just she's going to continue to grow and i'll just see i'll just see how it goes and you know I, when i started i think she was 42 um or so so she's about 46 now and i you know i figure i got 20 years hopefully before she before she retires how do you uh, keep those the three series uh, separate in your head when you start to to write them yeah i imagine you do one at a time yeah i you know i i no, i work on i work i can work on multiple books at a time i'm editing tracy and i've been writing the sequel to the eighth sister they're different characters and they have different backgrounds and different lives charles jenkins is overseas he's in he's in russia he's in he's in turkey he's in greece Tracy is in Seattle, so you know there there's not there's not much overlap there. Even even though Jenkins lives on Camino Island, which is um, north of Seattle by about an hour and a half. I, again, you know, kind of goes back to I get asked all the time, you know, why I wrote the Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell, which is a, a literary novel and been compared to sort of John Irving's work. You know, my answer is always the same, which is just I I love to write. So I write what I love to write, and I write what I want want to write, and I and I hope that what I write is re, is received well. The nice thing about Thomas and Mercer at, in Amazon Publishing is there are a lot of different arms. There's a literary arm, there's a women's fiction arm, there's a romance arm, there's a, um, mysteries and thrillers, and they've been just really open to the idea of me of me sort of exploring different different genres and. With the success of uh, The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell, and hopefully with the success of The Eighth Sister, that will continue. Yeah, it was fascinating. I was, when I was doing my research on you, I, was, uh, I watched a lot of your uh, videos from Amazon Publishing, and you mentioned that it took you five weeks to write the first draft of The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell, and then 10 years to get it out. So what's, what's the process, your process in writing these? Do, uh, do, you, do, you have, do you do a lot of research and a lot of outlining? Or? Yeah, you know, everyone... Everyone is really different. Um, I'm not. I'm not a formal outliner. And you know, people always sort of in the writing business, you're either an outliner or you're an organic writer, or people will call the seat of your pants. That's not really fair because I'm an organic writer, but I also understand story structure. So I understand that when you put a story together, you know, you need a you need a a, a beginning with a uh, with a moment, whatever you want to call it. You know, a call to adventure or an inciting incident that sets your character off on whatever journey you're going to set them off on. It's going to uh, continue right up to a climax. 
And uh, from the climax, you're going to have a race to the end. And, you know, it changes a little bit with regard to the literary novel in that it's a, it's a much slower pace. It's not as action oriented, but it still needs to have tension, a different kind of tension. But it, it has to have tension because tension is what what gets people to turn the page and, and read the books. I don't you know sit there and, and, and do a lot of outlining. I do do a lot of research. I do a lot of reading. So for The Eighth Sister, um, for instance, I read a lot of books, which I put in my acknowledgement. But I read probably a dozen novels on Russia. I went to Russia in 1998. I spent about three weeks over there in 1998, which was not long after the fall of communism. And, uh, and I found it just an absolutely remarkable country and it just a really um, incredible uh, place with such extreme wealth and extreme poverty. And, uh, you know, I just, I, it, was, it was truly amazing. And so um, I read a, a lot of books of, about Moscow and, and maps and things like that. And then I read modern books like Red Notice, uh, the book by Bill Browder. Who, uh, who's, you know, Putin has been going after, who started the Hermitage Fund over there. And, uh, you know, you read that book and you just realize that even in, even in the 20 years since I've been there, Moscow and Russia has changed dramatically, um, largely because of Putin. Basically, what the things I have read is that Moscow is no longer a country based on an ideology like communism. It's, it's basically a criminal enterprise. And it's run by private individuals who are trying to make money. And, you know, when you when you put that, take that into consideration, it really changes the whole landscape of any novel you write. Because when your protagonist goes to a place like that, you realize that it's not a matter of whether he's going to be arrested. It's a matter of whether he's going to live or die. And so I did a lot of research um, on the country, on Moscow. And just tried to absorb as much as I could. And then as I go, I, I begin to get ideas. And as I get ideas, I begin to write them down sort of in an, in an outline fashion. And by that, I mean, you know, I know that I know I'll begin to know, OK, that's going to be the inciting incident. And I'll know, OK, that's going to be the climax. And I, I might have an idea what the what the ending is, is going to be. But I don't I don't know for certain because I, I love to I love to explore when I write. And I love to just, um, I love to just see sometimes where the character is going to take me, because a lot of times the character is a lot smarter than I am. And and really, what I do is I, uh, I just don't, I don't get any anxiety, and I don't get any concern if I if I don't know every little detail what's going to happen next, because I've done this long enough to realize that the character will, the character will tell me. What do you use for your to write these? Do you use that, use like just Word or some other do, software? No, I just I, you know I use Word. I'm, uh, I've had people talk to me about Scrivener and and everything like that, but I think frankly I'm just lazy because I practice law. And again, this goes back to you know every, everything. There's a reason for everything, but one of the things you have to be as a lawyer is you, is you have to really be a multitasker. You have to at any moment you could be in the middle of something very important and, and suddenly you know a fire uh, starts burning in another case and you got to deal with it and so i i'm pretty good at at keeping things in my mind keeping things in order and being able to sort of uh, flip back and forth and and really not have uh, have too much of a problem and do you set goals for yourself when you're writing a a, a book like i'm going to write a thousand words today or no kind of no no i don't 
I don't. I just I just write, and uh, I'm always I'm always very early, uh, and you know my, my my agent or my publisher will say, "What well, you know? Why are you you know this book's not not due until." <laughs> May or June, and you're turning it in in November, and it, the answer is because what else am I going to do? You know, my my wife my wife works uh, as well, and this is my job. Uh, and I think I think practicing law again helped me understand that you put your butt in the chair and you go to work. And sometimes that's from you know this today it'll be from six in the morning probably until six o'clock tonight, and you can get a lot done in twelve hours. I just go to work. So now you mentioned in the A sister about the 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 Russian and and Putin and it's so timely because you, like in in the A sister there's been the whole thing about those those assassinations in in England and and things like that. Um, was that something? Uh, and you you mentioned yeah Putin in there. Is that something that uh, you thought about changing the name to a fictional uh, representation, or did you just said nah, I'm gonna go for it? No, no, I'm not. You know, I'm not really. I'm not really too too worried about it um it's in, it's really timely it's in, mm -hmm. you know it, it's incredibly timely and like i said you know the the return of the cold war is probably the the best thing for thriller writers out there because it like i said i mean you can you can have now this this country that becomes sort of your antagonist uh jason matthews who wrote um uh who wrote the red sparrow trilogy um if you read his books i mean <laughs> There's there's a lot more of Putin in those books than there are in mine. In mine, it's simply a reference to the fact that he's running the country. In in those books, there's actually scenes with you know Putin in them and Putin doing bad stuff. And uh, I always I always think, well, if Putin's ever going to go after a writer, he'll go after Jason Matthews before he goes after me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is crazy now. And, and like you said before, it was on the first Cold War was about ideology. Now it's just money and like the mob, basically. <laughs> the was it the ugly ugly arcs or? Yeah, it, it's pretty terrifying. I mean, people ask me, you know, did you go? Did you go to Russia to do research? And I, I said, well, I, I was there. I mean, I spent quite a bit of time there, but I wouldn't go back now. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, number one, I don't think Americans are going to be as welcome as they were when I was there. Uh, just the opposite. And uh, the Russian people were, were wonderful people. They were lovely people. And, you know, what's happening over there is been a tragedy for them, really, much, much more than us. I, I don't know. I don't know what his end game is. You know, certainly the steps to the end game are, are getting scarier and scarier. And, you know, that's sort of what Jenkins deals with in The Eighth Sister is, you know, once he's over there, he suddenly realizes that nothing is as was represented to him. And now he's in the in the belly of the bear and he's got to get out because he realizes it's going to get worse before a lot worse before it gets better. And and that's sort of the beauty of, you know, the return of the Cold War for a for a thriller writer. It's you know, it's a terrible development, I think, for for really all the rest of the world. Um, and it's a, it's too bad that, you know, that has to exist, but it, it is what it is. And, and we're not going to go backwards. Um, you know, Putin's only in his sixties and, you know, from, from things I have read by people who are in the know a lot more than I am, Putin will remain in power because he needs the strength of the military behind him because he's made so many enemies that if he leaves power, there's a good chance someone's going to kill him. Yeah, and then he, I, they don't have limits over there either, because right? he, he stepped down for a little bit, but he was behind the scenes. He had his own puppet in there. Yeah. But now I think he's just 
in there for life, isn't he? Or I, I can I don't remember the well, <laughs> the logistics they, of it. They did they did have term limits, and he just sort of skirted them between being being the president and being the prime minister. Um, but he's you know I think everybody recognizes that he's a dictator. He's been in power for how many years now? 20, 15? And he will he will stay in power. You know, there was a, a good article that came out, you know, just the other day in which he was asked, he was asked a while back, what's the what's the one thing about what what do you think was the the biggest I forget the biggest event in the 20th century? And he and he said that he felt that the fall of the Soviet Union was the, the biggest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. And I mean, this is a century that had two world wars, the Holocaust, you know, and so for somebody to say that is really pretty telling. And yeah, so we, so you write a lot of different, uh, uh, well, not a lot of different, we write, you know, the police procedurals and now, es- now the espionage thriller and the, the literary novel. Um, what, what do you think most character- characterizes uh, your writing? I write fast paced uh, mysteries and thrillers. You know, I write page turners, and um, and I think that probably is the most reflective of of what I do. Sam Hell is is probably much more reflective of what I love to read. Uh, stories I love to read about you know individuals uh, going through life, like you know the world according to Garp and things like that. But as far as as far as you know my my style of writing goes, I mean, hopefully it's uh, you know it's a style that where there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of action and uh, usually short chapters so that books really move for people. And uh, before I let you go, I always like to ask, because um, I know we have some aspiring writers that listen to the podcast, uh, uh, any advice for an aspiring writer out there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my advice is, um, is learn the craft. There is a craft to writing novels. There, there, is, a, there is a structure for, for writing novels. And I think too often as artists, you know, we bang our heads against the wall thinking we're going to be unique. But if you go back and you look at people like Michelangelo and Da Vinci and all the great artists of, of, uh, of our time and before our time, um, they were great students and they spent a lot of time uh, studying and, and learning the craft. And um, it's no surprise that my success really came about when I, when I decided to really spend time understanding the craft, understanding you know, story structure, reading Chris Bogler's book uh, on writing, um, excuse me, The Writer's Journey. Uh, you know, I have, I have probably three whole shelves in my writing office that are just devoted to, to craft, um, creating tension and suspense, writing good dialogue, um, all those things. Um, because, you know, building a novel is a sort of like building a house. You have to be a jack of all trades. You know, you have to be able to, to lay the foundation in a way that makes it easy to put up the walls. And from the walls, you got to put up the roof. And after the roof is on, then you deal with the interior. There's a lot of elements to write in a novel. And my advice is to r- young writers out there is, you know, before you get started, you know, take, take the time to study and learn the craft. I never got an MFA, you know, I never, never went back and got an MFA or did any of that stuff. But I had a, I had a very strong writing background and uh, journalistic background that I, that I attempted to use uh, sort of as a foundation, but I had to really learn how to write a novel. Yeah, I save a lot of headaches uh, uh, if you learned it before. <laughs> Won't be that many wasted words. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's exactly right, Alan. I mean, I, I, I must have thrown away a thousand pages from my first novel. 
<laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> All right. And so then the listeners, they can find you on your website. It's probably the best spot to learn more about you at robertdugonibooks.com. Uh, yeah. www.robertdugoni and Dugoni is D-U-G-O-N-I.com. I have a Facebook presence uh, at Robert Dugoni. I have a Twitter presence. Um, and Amazon is just doing a, a really a wonderful job with with videos and all all types of things to help help build my brand. So you know, there's always a lot of really kind of fun, interesting things that are that are out there that I that I you know I just got one today that I I can't share yet, but it was just really a lot of fun to to see. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing your video on that from Amazon Publishing. That's on your website. That was fun. The it it, it really is. It, it's. Um, like I said, they just, they really, they really are great about building your brand and trying to, trying to build the author, not necessarily the book. All right. So The Ace Sister is your latest. That comes out April 9th, uh, 2019. So, and I, like I said, I, I read an advanced copy of it and highly recommend you know, people go pick it up. Yeah, I always say, you know, you live near an independent bookstore, by all means, support, support your independent bookstore. If you, uh, you know, if you, if you can't afford to buy books, you know, I've had people tell me they read, they read dozens of books a year, then it'll be in the libraries. And libraries are a great, great source of, of my stuff as well. And, and of course, you know, uh, Amazon, the Amazon platform will have it for sale. All right, uh, Bob, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast and talking to us about your writing and, and your work. I really appreciate it. Alan, thank you. I appreciate being on. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.